This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Exodus chapter 23, and today we're going to talk about something that was in the Ten Commandments, and we're going to talk about keeping the Sabbath. And so many times when you hear that, when people people, uh, talk about that, uh, all, all people do is just tune out because what they don't understand is the Sabbath is a picture of something, and it's very important to God. And it's so important that even though we've just had the Ten Commandments, God's going to step back in and he's going to flesh out this whole understanding about keeping the Sabbath. And it's important that you see that and understand that. And the reason it's important that you see that and understand that is because the Sabbath is important. It's real important. In fact, the Sabbath is called the day of rest. It's called our rest. And in fact, when where they're going is is going to be called the same thing. We call it the promised land. Everybody knows it as Israel. But the truth is that Scripture calls it in the New Testament and the Old Testament, it calls going to the promised and entering God's rest. If you'll notice, they don't really rest when they go in there. They have to fight battles. But the rest is not sleeping. It's not slumbering. God does not sleep nor slumber, and he's not asking us to sleep or slumber. What he's asking us to do is have fellowship with him. And when you study through these things, and perhaps a morning Bible study is not going to be even close to enough to explain this, but when you study through Scripture, there is an intense tie to peace and rest and the presence and the relationship that we have with God. And they're inseparable. They can't be, you can't have one without the other. Without God's presence, there can't be rest. Without a, without the context of his relationship, having control of our lives, there can't be rest. The Sabbath is the time set aside for us to, to build, to work on, to meet together, and to build that relationship with God. It is, now, people say all the time, I can worship God anywhere, and you can. But the unique things that happen when God's people come together and meet with him as he has instructed us to do, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, both with the picture of entering the promised land and entering his Sabbath rest, and the New Testament, we're directly told to, to not, not miss out, don't, don't diminish or disregard the meeting together of the believers. It is important, and it's important that we do it that we do it regularly each week, that we set aside that time each week in which we are doing that Sabbath rest. We are doing that relationship that we have with God. And and there is no way to get around it. It is of the utmost importance that you regularly do that. 
And now there are going to be things in life that cause us not to be able to do that. I know that. But some, sometimes the things in life that are causing us not to be able to do that are reasons we make for ourselves to not do what God has told us to do. And without that rest, without that spending that time doing what we should be doing, which is gathering together, where two or more gathered, I am there also gathering together and seeking God's will and his way in what we're doing, that that unique doing that each and every day, each and every week, the doing of that on a regular basis is what brings about a, a power for the people, the church, the body, and for the individual, a power that can't be had in individual worship. It can't, it, it's not the same, okay? And oftentimes, it's not necessarily the encouragement of yourself. You can do that in your own quiet time. God can speak to you and build you up. Oftentimes, it's those really fundamental changes, those clicks in life where uh, so many people say, well, he's never going to change. And then there is a change, a real change that happens. What caused that to happen? Usually, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen with a individual seeking out God in their quiet time, because whatever the problem is, is keeping them from seeking out God. Whatever the issue is that God has got to get fixed so that their life can move in a dramatic and, and noticeable change, the thing that has to happen with the help of others. And you go, what does what worship got to do with the help, help of others? Worship is a place where other people are doing spiritual battle for you. Worships where people are singing and worshiping God and building an atmosphere of change. Worship is a place where where individuals can come and the things of this world that are holding or, or binding them back can be removed so that those big lurches forward, those big changes in life can happen. And let me say this, the things that have changed my life, and when I say changed it, made me into a better and a more pointed and a more effective believer, the things that have done that have, have generally taken place in the church in some setting that is what we would call a worship service or a, a time where we've come together in this whole understanding of the Sabbath rest. They happen there because that's a place where other believers encourage, build up, strengthen, and then do the spiritual battling that is required in order to, to open up the door and provide the opportunity for others to move forward. If you think about it in a battle, they're providing suppressive fire. They're keeping the enemy back so that person can have that breakthrough, have that life change, have that, that, that opportunity to see things in a powerful and new way. And so obviously, God, when he gives the Ten Commandments, he says, you, I want you to keep the Sabbath and keep it holy. But then he comes in and he gives us, he, he fleshes it out in these rules for living or these, these, these rules that set up good society. And notice that's what we're really doing here is God's giving instruction to a people that did not govern themselves and had no real structure, godly structure for how they lived. He comes in and he says, okay, I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you some rules or some reasons and some understandings of how we need to do these things so that you can live among each other so that y'all can have orderly, orderly governance, orderly society. And so he says, for six years, you're to sow your fields and harvest your crops. Okay. We're getting six. And then we know seven's a week. He says, but during the seventh year, 
Let the land lie unplowed and unused. Wow. So the land has a Sabbath rest. It does. It really does. And that's going to come up over and over again. In fact, one of the reasons God sends the children of Israel into exile into Babylon is that they did not maintain the Sabbath rest for the land. What God's saying is everything that has to do with my uh, eternal will for you revolves around this Sabbath rest. This Sabbath rest is real important. This Sabbath rest is a life changer. It's a, it's a game changer. And he says, you're to do that even with the land. When you go into it, you're to, you're to plow the fields and work the fields and sow the fields and harvest the crops, but you're only to do it six out of seven years. And you're allowed, you're supposed to allow the seventh year to be the time where it lays fallow. And what that means is you don't plant crops. You don't till the soil at that time. You let the soil have a year where it goes through the process of resting. And you say, well, there'll be weeds growing up. True. But sometimes those things that grow up in the earth, once you plow it up again and mulch it into the ground, those things are important for the nutrients of the ground. They're important for that. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I do know that farmers rotate their fields. And the reason they rotate their fields is because it's good for them and because it, it allows for a more fertile harvest in the other years where they're not rotating the fields, where they're not letting the land lay fallow. And not only that, I want you to notice but during the seventh year, let the land lay plowed and unused. Then the poor among you, people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what is left. Notice what God's saying here. This is good for the environment, but he's saying just because you don't sow the same seeds in the field the next year doesn't mean that they're not going to be field seeds already in the field and that the crop that you had planted in that field for the last six years won't come in. It won't come in the same way. It won't come in with the same amount and the same in the same process, but they're still going to have some come up. And when it comes up, it's an opportunity for who? For the poor and the wild animals to eat what is left. He says, do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. The food, mainly it would have been grain, which would have cost bread. So the bread, the vineyards, and the olives. Olive oil is a picture of the oil, oil of the power and the resonant presence of the Holy Spirit. Vineyards is the goodness of the Holy Spirit. And then you've got the bread of God right there. These are all the ingredients. They're the ingredients for these powerful images of God's work in his people. The bread of life is what we consume. It's Jesus himself. It's the it, these grains that they would have been planting and sowing and, and reaping. These grains produce the bread of life. The, the vineyards are, they use vineyards to make wine. And wine is a picture of the goodness of the Holy Spirit. And then olive, olive groves are for the purpose of making olive oil. And that was the primary oil that they used. And that is a picture, another picture of the power of the Holy Spirit. Oil is a picture of the power of the Holy Spirit. So the ingredients are the important things that, that are a part of making what, what is the goodness of God and at work in our lives. It's right there. And he's saying, let them lay fallow so that who might eat them? The poor. Those are those who are without. Those are those who, who don't have what you have. And this is not a social welfare program, although it works as a social welfare program. This is a program where those who don't have the opportunity to have. And in a spiritual sense, that's real important for what Sunday's about. 
as a pastor, I had to learn that Sunday was not about me. Sunday is about the people that I minister to. And, and oftentimes believers grow and then they hit a time where they just stop growing. And the reason is they move from a place where, where they are eating from the fallow field. They're eating from the field where the poor eat and they've grown past that. And yet they've not become the ones who are actually tilling the field and preparing it for God's work on a weekly basis. They move to a place where they understand where they've grown, where they've matured, but they're not the ones who move the kingdom forward with their faithful obedience to God's instruction and his desires for them to be life changers in the world. They eat from the fallow field and they have the life change that's going to set their life in, in a direction where they can have the good things of God, but they don't, they're not willing to go out there and work in the fields and prepare the fields for those seasons of fallowness and provide the goodness of God for God's people when they're mature and ready to work. They, they just don't do it. They just hang back. They hold their hands out and say, I, I, I can't give that much. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to be a part of a church that, that is growing, you've got, to, you've got to get to work. It can't be just a few people who are doing it. It's got to be a whole congregation of people who are doing the work of the kingdom of God who are doing the work of the kingdom of God. And, and that requires mature believers to be working in the field and allow for these opportunities where the poor can come in and have that life change also. And you go, I, got, I have commitments to my family. I have commitments to my job. I have commitments to these, th this and that. And so I can't do that work. I've, I've got to do this over here. I will tell you this. If you, want to see, if you want to see the presence and the power of God at your workplace, if you want to see the presence and power of God at work in your family, if you, want to see, if you want to see real things that are eternal things growing up in your life, in the areas of your life that are important, which should be your family and your workplace and your friends and things like that. If you want to see real, those real things happen, you, in, you keep investing into, into the thing that generates those things. And what generates those things? What generates those things is the kingdom of God that's being built on Sunday morning when we're worshiping. And if you're not, if you're not going to build and, and, and lean into that and make that happen, there's a strong likelihood you're not going to see the power and presence of God in those other areas, because those areas are ancillary to what God's doing at the church, but they, but they benefit heavily from them. Those fallowed fields that, that aren't being planted this year are benefiting people in major ways that you have no idea. What doesn't benefit you today in the sanctuary may benefit a hundred people, and that might affect not only your business, not only your family, but your future. And a failure to keep this, a failure to understand the importance of your investment in kingdom work on Sunday morning by your presence, by your participation, by your faith, by your battling alongside others in the kingdom of God, a failure to do that will be, will be down the road a failure to reap the benefits of it. It will be. And I eat good from the kingdom's table, but that means I need to be eating. I need to be working in the kingdom work regularly. And listen, that's the whole reason I went to law school. And I, I, I many years ago, almost two decades ago, decided that I was going to be a bivocational pastor. The reason I decided those things is because I want to see God at work in many areas of my life. And 
I invest just as much in the church, even though even though my financial life livelihood is not based off of what the church pays me, because it's that I've made sure that I, I'm not dependent on the church. I'm not going to be. That being said, I reap great benefit. My family, the things that I'm involved in, reap great benefit because I'm willing to do that work on Sunday morning. I want to do it. I want to be a part of it. I want to see it happen. And there's no telling the number of things that I get a great benefit from that I have no idea that I'm even benefiting from. The great things that I get those benefits from because I'm, I I want to show up and do those, uh, be a part of the kingdom moving forward. And, it, and you say, yeah, but you're a pastor. It doesn't matter. Position is irrelevant in this. Everybody's to keep the Sabbath. Everybody's to get in the field and work in the field. And everybody is going to eat from the rewards of that. All of us are. It's not going to be just one person. It's not to the glory of one individual. This is the glory of God that we're talking about. He says, six days you do your work, but on the seventh day, you do not work. Meaning you don't do the things out in the world. We're going to have a time where we come together and we are the kingdom each week. He said, so that your ox and your donkey may rest. Notice your flesh is getting a rest and you go, the flesh is always working toward evil. Yeah. So we need to let it rest. So we need to set aside our fleshly desires and our fleshly instincts. And we need to give the spirit a chance to get back control of things. He said, your ox and your donkey may rest so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. Notice the people that, that depend on you, the people that you're to provide leadership for, the people that God has placed in your life that are important, they're going to benefit from this. The slave born in your household, notice these people that don't have anything, that got to come in and they become bond slaves so that they can get the assets of life to move their family forward. Are they benefiting from it? Yeah. And the foreigner living among you, who is that? Those are the people that don't know God. Those are the people that are outside of what the kingdom of God is, is has been doing, and they have no no relation to what God's doing. What's going to happen to them? They're going to be refreshed. What? They're going to come to know Christ. They're going to their life change is going to happen for them. But it revolves around a continual lifestyle of showing up, of doing the work of ministry, of seeing the kingdom at work regularly around you, of joining in by faith and pushing forward. And if you don't do this, if you don't do this, you miss out on the rest. And God's saying, if we're going to have, if you're going to understand my character and nature, you got to understand the commandment to, to keep my rest, to keep the Sabbath. If you're going to understand how to live in a right society, you got to keep the Sabbath. And then later on, we're going to talk about the individual and the individual benefits of keeping his rest. Everything revolves around that rest because that's where the promised land is. That's where the presence and the power of God is. The promised land is a picture of the presence and the power of God, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the what the Pentecostals are called, the second baptism. It's, it's all the things that come with the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God in its fullness in our lives. So we shouldn't miss out on it. We shouldn't. We've got, to, we've got to make that a regular part of what we do and who we are. I pray that'll be the case for you. I expect it will. You're not listening to this Bible study for no reason. And you've probably been working in the field a long time. And you're just now, if not, you haven't seen it a lot in your life. You're just now beginning to reap the benefits of it. Keep doing it. 
and uh, keep seeing the kingdom alive in you. As you see the kingdom of life in you, keep working those fields and keep setting aside the time for the kingdom to have its full benefit in your life. And that is usually on Sunday morning, a worshiping with us. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.